Hey everybody, welcome to the very first podcast of the Big Pixel channel. We have no name for it yet. We'll get there eventually, I suppose. Um, we have me, my name is David Baxter. I run this shindig and we have Gary, who is our Gary Voigt. I should be specific in your name. Say hi, Gary. Hello, I'm Gary Voigt. I am the creative director inside of Big Pixel. And we were chatting about business and design stuff and we thought uh, we might record it and see if anybody cared. <laughs> That's kind of the goal here. Um, so we want to start out with uh, the first article that came out not the first one ever. I don't know why I said that. But one thing that's been big this week is Apple changed their fee structure, sort of, kind of, really, not really. So one of the things we wanted to talk about was the Apple Store fees, which sounds exciting, and and but it's something that most startup people and business people that we talk to regularly have no idea how it works. And I think that- How does the Apple Store actually get fees from, is it from anybody that sells anything So through the app? The way that, so App Store has been around for 10 years and it's changed quite a bit in the last few years because they're trying not to get sued um, and broken up, which is really hot right now. But generally speaking, Apple makes 30% on any digital goods. That's that's their how they make their money. Now, there are tricks to that and caveats that they have introduced over the last few years. If you, for instance, sell a physical good, that's never been a case. So if I'm selling a t-shirt, merchandise, I don't ever lose that money. And that's why um, Amazon has an app. That's how they work. They don't lose any of the money. But Amazon doesn't sell Kindle books on their app because they don't want to pay Apple 30%. So that is their Because it's going specifically through the Apple app store. Yeah, if you you are going to allow them to buy something, you have to use Apple's payment. And if you use Apple's payment, they say it's worth 30%. It's kind of a okay. it's kind of a funny thing because they're also saying you're also paying for the promotions and stuff like that. But if you're not taking payments, you get that anyway. So it's it's kind of a a game that they play. But generally speaking, if you have a subscription, it's thirty percent the first year, and the second year it's fifteen percent. So if you signed up for Netflix, it's ten bucks. Uh, Apple would get thirty percent of that the first year and fifteen percent of the, the next year. That's how that works. Now, but then you've got other caveats that, and this matters, but. If you're a small business under a million dollars in terms of revenue on Apple, you don't pay the 30%, you pay 15%. That's one of their new things they started in March. Um, so again, these now, what's that? Let me ask you this. Being a small business, if you're putting a digital product out there, the Apple App Store is probably the one you want to be on, right? Because of the competition between Google Play, unless you're specifically an Android product and the Apple App Store. I mean, you're going to get more traction through the App Store. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. If you are building one app, well, we recommend typically most businesses start with hybrid apps, which is a whole different conversation. But if you're only targeting one store, you need to target iOS. And and the the simple, at least in the US, if you're outside of the US, no, Android is, is dominant, vastly dominant. But in the US, um, you need to focus on iOS first. And that's because... Generally speaking, iOS people, people with iPhones, they spend more money than people with Android phones. There's study after study that shows that. So if you're going to sell something, put it on Apple first, see if you get some traction, then go to Android. Um, Are iPhones still the most popular phone in the U.S. by far? No, no, not in, No, they're about 50%. Um, 50% of phones are iPhones. But if you think about that, there's like four phones that contribute to 50% of the market. And then the other 50% is mostly Samsung and then a bazillion different um, 
small, small little, well, not even little companies, but companies that are in there. And that's a whole nother tangent. What's interesting. If you talk about the profits, Apple makes like 90% of the profit of all smartphones that are made. Even Samsung doesn't make a whole lot of profit. I mean, they, they do fine. Don't get me wrong. They're a massive company, but when you talk about percentages, Apple just sucks all the air out of the room. But anyway, um, when it comes to this, what the, the latest news is that they're now saying reader apps don't have to pay the 30%. They can um, pay 15%, which is, I'm sorry, not even pay 15%. They can now for the first time acknowledge that they have a website and you can um, you can sign up for it. But they're being real cagey what that means, which means for the average so, person, this doesn't affect you at all. It's This is purely pandering in my opinion. So now if I were to go to the Netflix app on my iPhone, and sign up for the subscription or the free service or whatever. After the free service, I decide I want to pay for it. I can do that now through the Netflix app on my iOS device and Apple will not take money from Netflix or they're just going to take a lower amount. So the, yes and no. Well, right now Netflix has a special deal or they they might have a special deal. I know Amazon has one. Um, it just depends on specifically. But to your point, if you have quote unquote a reader app, which is totally up to Apple to define. But if you have one in the future, when this goes into effect, which is supposed to be sometime in 2022, um, when this goes into effect, you're now allowed to have a button or a link or something that says you can sign up for this service, Netflix being an example. You can sign up for this using our website if you would prefer, which is, again, they don't tell you, they're being cagey about how what they're going to allow here. Is it a button? Is it a link? Is it something buried in the terms of service? I don't know. I do know right now, if you push an app out there of any sort, you cannot mention that you have a website at all that has a sign-up process. It is against the rules. So Apple, Apple does not want you leaving their ecosystem. Correct. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Right? There's a big, of their big pile of money sitting here and they want all of it. And they're saying, well, you're on our store, so you should only allow customers to come through our store, which is not fair, not right. I, this is one of the sticking points I've had developing these apps for the last eight years, it's, you, you have to thread this needle, which is, it's funny because when you create a, an app nowadays, the, the backbending you have to do to allow this to happen and you lose all this marketing stuff. So like right now, what threading the needle is, and a lot of companies do this is you have an app that is free on the store and you can sign up for a free account on the app and you get their email address. And then a day or two later, you send them an email that then they have to sign up on your site. Yeah. That says, Hey, we, you should sign up on our site, not on Apple. Right. Or you can't sign up on Apple or whatever. Here's so our they're using plan. Apple as the introduction through their gigantic app store. Yeah. And then trying to pull the customers back into their own specific ecosystem, taking them out of the Apple ecosystem. So they don't have to pay all their ridiculous fees just for selling the product. Correct. And that's what, that's what small business people have been doing forever. And if you do it wrong, they won't let you on the store. They're very, very good at this. It's very hard to do this. We've done it a couple of times successfully, um, but it takes a few times. Now, time. if you have anything built in the app that references this at all, they just, they will kick you out of being in Yeah, and they're really yeah. thorough. Like if you put in even a link to your website and that link has a big sign up button on it, no, that won't work. If you, like if you have, say you're Netflix, if you're Netflix, you can't mention Netflix.com anywhere in your app. Just so silly. You just have to somehow your person who found the app has to know you have a website, which is where email comes in. 
But now this new thing yep. that they're allowing, quote unquote, for a very small select few types of apps, because they've already said that email uh, clients are not considered reader apps, which was if you, there was a the Verge article um, I read about this, there was a controversy earlier about the Hey email app that would still not be allowed in this new agreement. And again, all of this is purely to um, not get sued into oblivion or not make the government force them to allow outside payment. Because again, Fortnite, all of that stuff, this is billions and billions of dollars. And if they lose this, and if Fortnite's allowed to put in their own credit card processing, for example, they lose a ton of money. I think they, in the court process, Apple made them $400 million, which was a chump change for Fortnite. Don't get me wrong, but still it's $400 million. Take 30% of that. That's Apple. Yeah. It's a significant enough amount to validate. Sure. Why they were doing it. Yeah. Now, so with this reader apps, you had mentioned to me before, but again, reader apps are just basically an app that references a catalog of other information. You mentioned Netflix and Spotify. Yeah. The, the definition of a reader app is not fully found yet. They are not. You said Apple is kind of cagey on what they're going to consider a reader app, but just in general. In general, it should be something like Netflix, Spotify, um, anything that you are just consuming content from their app. Um, Amazon Prime would be one, any of those streaming apps. um, That's a reader app, but it's, it's just because they get to define that, you don't get a say in it. It's again, this, I'm a big believer that you sh- Apple should not have this kind of power. The, they have a monopoly. We can talk about that in some other point, but they are brutal as, as a developer. It is brutal to play by their rules. It's, even when you're small, I mean, 15% is, and let's be clear, 98% of Apple's money comes from people making over a million dollars. So by them making that concession, they didn't do anything. They didn't lose hardly anything. No one lost sleep on that one. Um, now you mentioned Apple being a monopoly or Apple coming in and, and taking from other people. Another thing Apple does is they watch products that are doing well and then reinvent them in their own ecosystem. Like we're seeing with the zoom and the new Apple OS Monterey, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. way they're integrating FaceTime to work almost exactly like zoom with their, you know, Apple's fun little flair. Yeah. Well, and even that is not really much flair, right? In terms of if I'm a Windows user, I can't create a FaceTime link, right? I can no, join but if someone. you're an Apple user and someone sends you a link, yeah. yes, you can you can do it through the browser so you'll feel like you're part of the the Apple FaceTime thing. But I can't I can't could, do like a Zoom thing and say, hey, I want to talk to my clients through FaceTime, but I'm on a Windows machine. Let me send out a link. I can't do that, right? This new stuff. Yeah, from what I'm understanding, you have to have either from an Apple device or through an iCloud account. So do you think that this uh change this is coming in Monterey? I'm not a Mac guy, so it's Monterey is the new one. Yeah, Monterey is the new operating system. And this it's FaceTime stuff is coming with that. Yeah, and the FaceTime stuff is coming with not just the new operating system for your desktop or whatever, but it's going to be through iOS. And I think you can even interact through your Apple Watch. I'll double check on that. But you're saying I can do a yeah. FaceTime so they're on taking, my Apple Watch? No, you can connect. You could just do the audio part. But if you had six or seven different 
let's just use family members and you were on, you know, a FaceTime and everybody's an iPhone. And then you had a couple other family members that were on Android devices or whatever. They're stuck. They can't join that. So now you could send them a link. They can do it through a browser on the Android device that would link into your iCloud account from whoever sent out the link. And then everybody's using the FaceTime interface through iCloud. So on a business side of this, if you were not a Windows guy, and but you wanted to connect two people on Mac and Windows and all have that same experience through FaceTime, you just send links out like you would through Zoom. But why would you, uh, and I'm asking this as a non-Mac guy, but why would you go through all this trouble when I could just set up a Zoom? A free Zoom, right? I mean, do I really want to use my Memoji head that badly? I mean, is that, you see what I'm saying? Is that, that's what yes, they're hoping? but no. Well, kind of. <laughs> the idea is, <laughs> it's, when design as insignificant as it may seem from a broad perspective, like you just said, why can't, why would I do that if I could just do a Zoom? Well, why are people doing Zoom now when they could just do a GoToMeeting? Why are people doing GoToMeeting or Zoom when they could just do Microsoft Teams? The idea is, yes, these services are all basically the same. What's different about them besides a little bit of the technology behind them or how, you know, dependable they are or how popular they are is the design of them design of how you interact with them. Not so much what they look like on your screen, but more about how the experience of you using it with other people is going to tip the scales in favor of the one that is easier, kind of fun and flexible. So that's why Zoom took over from GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting was way too buttoned up and businessy. It was kind of a hard step in and there was a lot of things you had to do and go through an update for the browser to get it to work. Zoom kind of took care of all of that and made it very simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now what Apple's doing is saying Zoom has a great model on the user experience side, which is design, not necessarily visual design all over, but visual mixed with the hardware, which that is one thing Apple is very, very But bad. Apple can't help them experience. Right? I mean, Zoom no, came in and said, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to beat all these guys to the punch with better design in terms of flow and user experience. But Apple, who right. is, they're masterful at design and user experience, but they can't help themselves because they still have that big twist, that hook that says, if you are not on an Apple device, you are a second class citizen, which basically means they're going to, by default, their design says I am inferior to Zoom. Right. I, I don't see a way around that. Or I think Apple's hopes is that uh, say you're a Zoom user and you get invited to a couple of these FaceTime instead of Zoom and you start to really dig the experience. Next time you're going to buy a laptop, maybe you'll you're going to pay that five hundred dollar premium for this. <laughs> <laughs> I really want that pretty FaceTime. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I think this. I mean, you can make fun of it all you want, <laughs> but let's look at the company. Let's look at how they market their products let's look at the popularity and impact that their products have no it's fair no no one can touch them i i mean i own every product on apple except their computers so i am certainly uh drinking the kool-aid in most instances but I, does this happen point being when we get back to the design part of it um i think they saw a way to pull people back into their apple ecosystem by copying the use of a popular product and of course, it became popular because of the pandemic and everybody's business is going more digital, more streaming now because 
you know, face-to-face meetings, brick and mortar stores, that's all kind of falling away, so, which is another topic we should probably get into is how to, I guess, adjust your business in a pandemic or post-pandemic world. Is there, so is there going to be a design trend of 2020, 2021 called pandemic design? I mean, is that, are we already in the midst of that and people are talking about it and I'm just clueless or is that just where we're going? That's where we've been going, but it's been amplified by the pandemic. So a lot of products, whether it's just digital products that you've accessed through your phone or on laptop or websites in general, streaming content, the whole creator economy, all that stuff's been ramping up for the last couple of years, but there was a fire sparked underneath it. Once the pandemic hit, everybody stayed at home. They were consuming everything online. They were buying everything, including groceries. So of course, all the businesses that sold anything had to adjust for that. And a lot of adjusting to that is to go to market with a design that's going to show the best case scenario you can for those those people that are going to shop online. Like an example would be a grocery store chain we have down here in Florida. And I don't know, it might be in North Carolina too, where you guys are, uh, Publix. Yeah, we got Publix. Mm -hmm. They redesigned the whole online system they connected with instacart as soon as the pandemic hit next thing you know you're getting emails from Publix if you are part of their you know if you signed up on their website and you can just go through instacart through Publix, and you get a little bit of a discount on instacart if you go through Publix. so if you're next thing you know go, go on, on with that it gets better following that if you're a startup guy you're you have an idea you you are a business guy you already own a business either way whichever side of the spectrum what are the rules to this new pandemic design, for lack of a better term? You need to be seen online and you need to be competitive with what's quote unquote trendy. Um, your visual presence, your branding, your marketing efforts, anything that's going to speak about your company needs to look and feel like it's in the present because there's just so many more businesses putting all the resources into their online presence that ones that look like they're old or out of step are going to kind of fall behind unless they already have a, you know, a specific niche audience. Now, if you're a software for service company and you already have a gigantic set of you know users, that's a little different. But if you're coming to market to try to gain more people, you need to update your life. Well, so if, I mean, it was before, if I was in a, you know, a curmudgeon, and I, you know, websites are silly. I don't need that anymore, right? Those people have been slowly getting schooled and being pushed out of the marketplace. You have to have a website. Now we're saying you can, but for the last few years, it was in a pre-pandemic, a decade or so, is I could have a good in-store experience and an okay online experience, and that was enough. But now the pandemic, if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, is the only experience that your customer might have with you now is only online. So you're it, now that's an okay online presence ain't going to fly anymore. Correct. And a lot of the bigger companies that have gone from optimizing in-store to, you know, supporting with online presence, who have gone to optimizing online presence, supporting in-store presence. In other words, they're expecting you to do your shopping and purchasing online and then maybe go to the store for pickups, returns, questions, things like that. Or if you look online and there's something that you needed to purchase, uh, you know, it's going to be a three-day delivery time, but there's a store down the street and it's actually in stock. So maybe just go down there and get it. 
And you're seeing a lot of differences in pricing now. A lot of companies are trying to price things different where they're optimizing the prices online, giving a little bit of discount for shopping online because they know you are going to have to pay the shipping, but they do not need to employ as many people to service customers in store during the pandemic. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, example, now even if would it's be a, Lowe's. a better, better price, I might not want to risk it or might not want to go to the hassle of dealing with people and masks and all of that in this wonderful world. Plus these companies in. are not able to get all the support, not all the employees that they need to support that. So it's, it's another way of kind of providing a little bit of, I don't know if you would call it insurance or just kind of fortifying your business. If it's more sustainable online than it is, you know, in a physical store, it's probably going to be better for you in the long run. So changing direction a bit, but I'm going to keep the through line of the pandemic here because really what else we're going to talk about? How is this? I mean, I've, we've already seen it, but entertainment, and this is just for me because I'm a big movie nerd. How does entertainment change permanently, not just temporarily, but how does entertainment change from the pandemic? I'm curious what your thoughts in, are. You know, what is my, the yeah, my opinion is, in my opinion, we've seen it change immensely just over the last five years prior to the pandemic because of things like the streaming culture, creator economy, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, influencers, the whole thing where you're literally walking around with a device that you can consume entertainment on almost all day, almost seriously. Yeah. So the pandemic did emphasize how you're going to get your your entertainment through streaming rather than going to a theater, rather rather than going to like concerts are not really a thing anymore. Live music is coming back. But at the same time, once people started staying indoors, the consumption of video and audio content online had to go through the roof. Sure. I mean, now you have movie theaters are barely sustainable, but mm -hmm. production companies are pushing through premiering movies the streaming programs, you know, whether it's HBO Max, Disney Plus, whatever. Oh, that leads into the uh, Black Widow versus Disney. Yeah, she's the, actors the, not getting paid for quote unquote box office because it wasn't released in a physical theater. Well, in the, in five years, that's what I'm curious. I mean, once this all dies down and we can all take our masks off and and we can go to the theaters, will people go to the theaters? I'm my I prediction think, for what it's worth is they won't except for big, huge movies like an Avengers or something. But if I'm just, yeah, I think theaters going, might have to step up. They might have to step up the, uh, I guess you can call it specialized entertainment for specific events rather than depending on weekly releases of new movies to keep you, you know, afloat. But, and then, then the question is, is to, cause I'm not going to the, pay 50 bucks to go to the theater for a rom-com. I'm going to watch on HBO max or Disney or whatever, but now do those movies make enough money for those streaming so that they get made? Or do we only fall down this hole of everything's Marvel and everything explodes, which is where we're yeah, no, going. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause if the production company is not seeing the return with the box office money, cause obviously when they release something streaming, they're not getting that hit of like, you know, $200 million first day, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you don't get so, that prep. Yeah, they're going to be cutting down production costs quite a bit. And which is, ooh, that's crazy too, because the cost of CGI and the use of CGI is going up too. And so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't get maybe, cheaper. To maybe we'll screen. just have, we'll have Tesla robots just as actors. Oh, don't get me started on the Tesla robots. <laughs> that's a whole different thing. 
Um, but, but speaking I, of releases in theaters, just real quick, uh, the new Marvel movie that just came out, the Shang Chi and the Ten Rings, come out yet, man. Don't, film... don't tease me. That hadn't come out yet. Okay, it was filmed specifically only for IMAX for an IMAX release. That was Disney's plan all along, just to only release it in IMAX theaters. No way. Yep. Really, dude. From what I understood, it was specifically made to be released in IMAX theaters only. I love I good think IMAX. They might have lost that gamble. They took a gamble on that. And well, but I mean, unfortunately, really not everybody. I mean, does the movie's not going to no, be worse? No. It only affects what they expected to rake in box office weekend. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah, I, I've seen very few IMAX movies because they're just not around me. But I did see. Gosh, I'm going to date myself here. I saw Matrix. Two, which is I don't recommend anyone seeing, but I did see it in IMAX, and I will tell you, to see Keanu Reeves' head two stories is intense. <laughs> it is that's intense. That's a lot of pores. That's all I'm saying. Like he can't grow a beard, and you can. It's very clear he cannot grow a beard when you're that big. It's just it's not. Now was it real? Was it real Keanu or was it CGI Keanu? <laughs> well, I can't tell the difference. They but neither can some act, artist has so. to go in and put every single pore onto his skin. Little you know, and and they should because that would end up with a better acting than Keanu can actually do. Actually, Keanu seems like a really hu- amazing human. I just is anytime he opens his mouth, I don't enjoy it. Which is why his best movies have him not talking. John Wick being a, a, a <laughs> clean one. My that's I'm, I'm a huge John Wick fan. But I think we're off on a tangent. Absolute random tangent. I think it's time to wrap this guy up for our very first edition. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, hopefully you'll subscribe and come back for more, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Thanks. We'll get better at this. We promise. <laughs> we will. We hope to. <laughs> That's right.